0: Turo oromai, haere mai and welcome to Koko Ngati. This is a podcast that combines cross-cultural wahine Maori and Pacific male perspectives on issues and topics relating to us. It's our stories by our people. Kiorana, I'm Johnson Riella.
1: Tena koutou, kumara ko Wilsonaho, and we are the hosts of Koko Ngati. Season one focuses on being mixed race here in Aotearoa. Although we aren't entirely mixed race ourselves, we talk to inspiring people who share their experiences.
0: In this episode, we kōrero with a Māori Kukiarani student-athlete who, for the first time ever, publicly opens up about overcoming anxiety.
2: Like, I've never spoken about my anxiety openly. Mm. And I don't, like a, I don't know if that's like a stigma or like within Pacific Island and Māori communities mm-hmm. alone, but I feel like some people will just perceive us as being such strong like um, happy. happy people which we are but I think that perception gets lost in translation far too far too often that people if we post something on on Instagram about our mental health issues some people probably think it's like clout chasing or something so no, they do yeah <laughs> they do literally and so I've never I've never opened up about it and this is probably the best place to actually speak about it because I'm not writing in a caption box or whatever. I definitely think being Pacific Islander, being Cook Island, being Māori, I think it needs to be spoken about and there's probably a few more initiatives that we can do with the platforms that we have to make a bit of a difference Mm -hmm. in some shape um, or way,
1: yeah. Tiana Ana talks to us about what it was like at the age of 15 playing semi-professional netball while having to balance high school. She also talks about her passion of bringing te ao Māori into her netball environments.
0: Tiana also opens up about body image issues and why she uses her platform to highlight the beauty of her Māori and Pasifika whakapapa.
2: Ko Tiana um, so, I'm Tiana. I'm 19 and I'm Cook Island Māori. I'm from the islands of Itsutake, Mauke, and Rotunga. And on my Māori side, I'm from Whangara, which is up in Gizeh, and um, Ngaitahu, which is down in the South Island. Tell us a little
0: bit about your family. What's your family <coughs> makeup?
2: So, I've got two older brothers. Um, tōkana and Tānara and my mum's name is Wamarama, she was a netballer and a coach, uh, dad's name's George, he was a rugby uh, rugby player and rugby coach um, Dad's Cook Island and Tahitian and mum is Māori and English mm. and yeah, we're all, my brothers and I, we're four years apart So is 23 and then is 27, I had to do the math Cool <laughs> um, yeah, I was born in England as well, so that kind of makes things a little bit more interesting mm. in terms of what I'm passionate about now. So, yeah. Mm.
1: Talking about growing up in England, I think that's so fascinating. How did you find being this multicultural Polynesian Pepe growing mm. up in the UK?
2: Yeah, it was. Um, I spent I spent about three years there. Mm. So, and I did a lots and lots of travel. So. Mum was obviously coaching, and Dad was coaching the American women's rugby team over in the States, so it was real, it was just, it was interesting, so um, Mum and Dad lined their schedules up so that whenever Mum was out of the country, Dad would pick us up, so there were times where Mum would need to fly out somewhere, so she'd take us to the airport in Heathrow, and then Dad would be flying in from the States, and then he'd pick us up and then take us home, and then whenever um, Dad needed to fly somewhere else, Vice versa. So that was kind of just how it was. And I mean, you know, we went on holidays in Norway, went ice fishing in the lakes. Um, I touched the border of Russia. I rolled into Russia <laughs> when I was in <laughs> Norway. Um, and yeah, so I spent quite a bit of time over um, in the States going back and forth. Um, and then as we were coming back to New Zealand, I went back to Rara for a little bit, spent, uh, I think, maybe like a month or two. Just there, and then permanently um, came back here. Yeah.
0: Damn. <laughs> been around the world, and then some.
2: At three. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: At three. We've been around. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Which, which. So you you hold three residencies. Technically, you could represent three different countries. Mm. Yeah? yeah. 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 So. Oh. Oh, we might talk about that a little bit later. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Just looking at your, um, you know, just your family dynamics. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you are like, mum coached a little bit of netball and she played a a bit of netball. Mm. Um, But actually, she is probably one of the country's, um, you know, iconic netballers. Mm. So I've thought about this question a little bit, because sometimes I'm like, "Mm, I wonder if growing up, or even today, has there been cases where people are like, she's only there because of her Mm mum? But... How is it like being her daughter? Does oh, it come with pressure?
2: I Not really. Like, it's pretty chilled, to be honest. And I think, from the outside, I think a lot of people perceive mum as, like, this scary person, but she's really chilled. Mum eyes nose. She's just, she wants the best for her players. Um... But in terms of being her daughter, i definitely say when I was five, like I really enjoyed her being so famous. And, you know, I was five. I loved when people would mm-hmm. see me going up to her, like, Mom, come come down here. I need yeah. you here. Like um, that was fun. And then I think when it was in um, primary school, and we had our netball prize giving and then this girls like, you pro- literally said, you definitely only got this because of your mum. And I always remember that, but I mean, I brush it off. Um, and still to this day, after four seasons in ANZ, I still get the same comments, mm. but um, mum's definitely taught me to be far more resilient than that. And just, I don't really look into it that much. Um, but over the last couple of years, I've definitely grown a lot in terms of having my own voice and... I think it was probably, I'd say last year where I think I really separated myself from just being her daughter because I obviously wasn't getting on. Um, so I've kind of found other things that I could do that, could con- that in ways I could contribute to my community, my local mm. community, and also um, create my own path in Nepal, which was like my incorpor- uh, incorporation of Te Reo Maori and stuff like that. Mm. But, you know, it was cool. And I, obviously I love her. Um, but, we're really close and I think she just always reminds me of um you know she's not out there playing and she kind of I remember she said she wanted to stop coaching the ferns because I started I think I got put in the development squad when I was 15 yeah, I so yeah and so she and I think she was on she may actually I think she just finished the year before um and she just said I just want to be uh, cautious and just make sure that I'm not that I'm not in this space when you're here, just kind of, you know, that bias kind mm. of point of view. Mm. So, we, and I think she knew that, like, I'm a sensitive person, and, I'm, and my eyes knows I'm so anxious and I get real upset at just small things. Mm. Um, And so, I think she knew that dealing with media at 14 and 15 would mm. have been a real struggle for me. So, I think that's when she knew she kind of needed to step away and let me pave my own path, I guess. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Going on that, so you've been brought into the pulse at, the age of 14, 15 when most girls are just worried about what, how their hair's going to look mm. at school. Have <laughs> you felt like that <clears throat> ever influenced your mental health and the thought of you can't just run to mum when mm. something's written in the media, you sort of have to be able to deal with that yourself? How did you cope with it?
2: I, I mean, look, everyone's journey is so different, but definitely because I made secondary schools with you when I was 14, um, played 21s when I was 15. And I think, and then obviously I played ANZ when I was 16. And I think because everything happened in such a short amount of time, I was kind of just so caught up in the moment and just really flourishing in the fact that all of these incredible things were happening. And then I trialed for the Ferns when I was 16. And it was just, I think, I didn't really ever consider that there would ever be anything bad that would happen. Um and so I remember very clearly when Kiz rang me and said that I'd made the twenty ones team to go to Botswana, I was literally bawling for maybe like the first eight days because I just felt so uncomfortable. I was basically having the worst anxiety attacks because when you're so young and you feel like not everyone's the same age as you and you don't have your own friends there who you've gone to college with and stuff like that, it's pretty scary. Um, And I remember we were in, I think it was Johannesburg, and I was just sitting looking outside, and the fact that South Africa just looks so different to home really made me freak out. And then, you know, we had our security guard saying, oh, I've got a gun here, just to make sure, like, we don't get robbed and things like that, just... All those sorts of things just made me feel a million miles away from home and then I felt so detached. Um, but I think it wasn't until we got to Botswana when we'd actually settled into one place and we put up all of these banners and things just to remind us a little bit of home that made me feel more settled. Um, and then I came back, went to Fern's Trials and I cried again because it was that was just another level that was far too much for me. I think I was crying to Wit. I think I cried to you too. And I said, I want to go home. I, and I remember we were boarding, um, and I, Whitney just looked at me, Whit looked at me, and I was just, my eyes were just welling up. And um, Mum eyes knew that I didn't cope very well with that stuff. Um, but Mum's always really taught me. She's always taught me that you need to take opportunities with two hands, and I definitely think that that's um, helped me to grow because mm. I, I think it maybe just last year or maybe a couple of years ago, I would not have been able to say that I went away to Cadbury mm. for seven, eight days and didn't cry. Yeah. So that's, that's like massive. a huge
0: thing for me. So how have you learned to deal with anxiety as a young athlete?
2: I think like mum tried to get me to go to counselling and stuff, but I never felt comfortable enough to open up to people who I didn't even know that well. Mm. But I think just literally life experience, just doing things that made me uncomfortable made me feel comfortable in those sorts of spaces and um I think I can't remember what tour oh I think it was NZA last year we played NZA together my eyes and I and that was the first time I the first proper campaign that I'd gone on and I hadn't cried because I you know things because I, I went with meds and stuff like that so I had a few close mates there um But even then, sometimes having really close friends uh, didn't even make the situation any more bearable. Mm. But last year was probably one of my biggest accomplishments. So I think it was just life experience and really getting used to feeling uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah.
1: I think that's real interesting when you talk about life experience and, yeah, (laughs) sissy hasn't had a 21st birthday (laughs) yet. I know, I can't talk. (laughs) I'm not old. Um, But have you ever felt like in that... Athlete space and the platform that we do have Some issues like this Are quite tapu In terms of being uh, yeah. Wahine Māori Wahine kukairani mm. like, How do you feel that has Has it made an impact? Has it made an influence? Oh, I think it's quite hard to Like I've
2: never spoken about my anxiety openly mm. And I don't know if Thank that's like sure. a, yeah, that's I don't cool. know if that's like a stigma like Within Pacific Island and Māori communities mm. alone But I feel like some people will just perceive us as being such strong, like um, happy happy people, which we Mm -hmm. are. But I think that perception gets lost in translation far too, far too often. Mm -hmm. Um, That people, if we post something on, on Instagram about our mental health issues, some people probably think it's like clout chasing or something. So they do. Yeah, (laughs) they (laughs) do literally. And so I've never, I've never opened up about it. And this is probably the best place to actually speak about it because I'm not Writing in a caption box or whatever But I think it's um, Mm. I definitely think being Pacific Islander Being Cook Island, being Māori We need to speak about it more often I think just yesterday I was talking to one of my good friends Who studies something quite similar to me And I don't even know why I asked it But I just um, asked why Majority of the Like our Māori youth are struggling Mm. Because I honestly don't know the answer well, I mean, I've got my own theories in terms of, you know, the lower socioeconomic status and how they're brought up compared to someone who's a bit more privileged. But, mm. um, yeah, I think I think it needs to be spoken about. And there's probably a few more initiatives that we can do with the platforms that we have okay. to make a bit of a difference mm. in some shape um, or way. Yeah. Thanks for that's, that. That's awesome. Oh
0: my God, that was mm. quite powerful.
2: Yeah. That? Oh, because that's like some of the stuff that we study at, like the history, like we do um, East Polynesian history.
1: I think it'd be so fascinating.
2: It's it's so interesting. Like you, I think I did a education paper. This is where I get like a lot of my stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was like, we spoke about um, how if you're in a lecture theatre, who like, who would raise their hand to answer? Because I know I don't. And I know that my like Islander friends who I sit with, we don't. But is that how we're raised? Well, that's the thing. That's the thing because we talk. Well, there's kind of we talk about like the societal power and how society is kind of structured to kind of in in the way of a parkia person, Mm. like in that kind of way of learning. And I know that I don't like when she uh, my lecturer said that because I've never answered anything in lecture um, and even in a tutorial. With six people, I still wouldn't because I think it's going to be wrong. So mm. it's interesting.
0: Um, just moving on. Mm. Let's take a look at uh, our career. Obviously, you you're quite well known for for being a netballer, but um, we've talked about this often that we find it hard to answer this simple question when somebody asks you, "What do you do?" What do you say?
2: I say I'm a student first. Mm. So, but why? Because. Well, I think because. Like after, I think the first kind of couple of years, I was still in high school and that just felt really relaxed and I didn't really feel that passionate about anything back then except for netball. And now that I'm in uni, I um, study a double major, so I do education and te reo Māori. And along with that, it's um, looking at uh, education. So we look at the racism um, and the kind of way that society is structured within our like education system. And then we look at... te reo maori i look at um, maori history east polynesian history and the language itself so i'd say i'm a student first because i feel like i'm more passionate about that and i think that kind of contributes to like i kind of call netball in a way like my own little side hustle Mm. like it's just fun you know like it's something to do away from something that i'm equally as passionate about but i'd say i'm pretty invested in what i and what i learn about because it Um, helps my people and I think it helps me to understand um, why Māori and Pacifica think the way that they do and why they do the things they do Mm. so yeah
0: I find that interesting because um, when I'm asked that question try and find something I just say oh I just work in comms Mm. and stuff when actually Mm. um, I do work in television and I have worked in radio but I feel if I say that then I feel like I have to justify with a follow-up answer and yeah. kind of being like, yeah. and then you have to list off what your CV is, but mm. that's just me because probably mm. that's they don't even actually really care.
1: Well, my thing, do you ever think that's this tall poppy syndrome that New Zealanders have is that they want to shoot you down. You don't just go straight to the point where I'm a netball, I'm a semi-professional netballer. I play mm. for formerly played for the Central Pulse yeah. and I'm heading to play for the Southern Steel. Like, yeah, I find that quite confronting that. Yeah. You want to try and be humble, but how do you celebrate your gifts in something that you have to work hard for?
2: Yeah. Oh, it's – yeah, I totally get what you mean. It's so contradicting in a way. Yeah. Oh, that's just another thing. Like, sometimes I think being associated with the netball, it's just such a clean image in terms of like the way that you approach people, the way you are perceived through social media, the media in general. But also, I feel like that's how we are as Pacifica and Māori as well. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like I've, I've never, I've, most of my friends would never say, Oh, I'm a silver fern Mm -hmm. and I study. Like, it's just, you wouldn't say
1: that. Mm. No, it's like I'm an athlete Yeah, And then what do they say Oh, what what sport do you play? I'm like, oh, netball And then, yeah. oh, who do you play for? And yeah. I find that I'm always stuck in this situation That I'll downplay yeah. who I am Which I'm very fortunate and privileged To be in the space that I'm in But at the same time You don't want to get that judgement from other yeah. people um, mm. But talking about that cookie-cutter image That mm. we have as netballers Do you ever feel like um, us... Polynesian wahine uh, are more voluptuous than our Pākehā or other cultured um, wahine. So do you ever... I know I do. I struggle with my body image. Mm. I have had Mm -hmm. um, issues recently with people saying, oh, you've lost so much weight, you look amazing. Um, Mm. That makes me question, was I not good enough Mm. when Mm -hmm. I was a bit bigger? Do you think, or has... Body image ever been a factor for you?
2: Yeah, always. Even like mm. I remember, um, I was at Ebus, so just mm. the intermediate down the road, and I wanted to be in the um, rugby team, but you had to be under sixty, oh, under, oh, 60 kgs. under sixty kgs. Oh. And I don't remember the last time. Well, I was literally I never told anyone this, yeah. but I was eleven. And I was 82 kilos. Wow. And so I went along. Oh. and That they... was me when I was eight. <laughs> <laughs> no, for real. But, you know, it's like how uh, Pacific Islanders are supposed to feel good about themselves yeah. when th- that's the restriction. Wow. And there was myself and um, one of my other friends and we couldn't play until someone who was relatively similar in size came on on the other team. Mm -hmm. But, like, I just remember I was always bigger than the guys. And I think, like, I've got big hands. I had big hands, big feet. Still got big hands. Still got them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was just a big person. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that really added, like, a masculine energy Mm -hmm. to me. And so because of that, I I just hung out with guys because it made me feel normal because they were all relatively in the same boat as me and sort of similar in size. I mean, I was probably taller than half of them as well. Um, but like, I feel like I've only just grown into my looks recently Mm. because height's such a powerful thing. And I feel like Mm, I I didn't really know that until maybe, I don't know, a couple of years ago. Yeah. But yeah,
0: one thing I noticed, um, this year in terms of a viewer, um, is that when you when you came on in the wing attack position, obviously you look different to all the others. Mm. Um, but the advantage that you have is the vision, the flair, mm. um, is pretty wicked to watch. But do you think that's your advantage coming on in that position? Because obviously, I mean, <laughs> if we're going to address the elephant in the room, obviously you're not the same size as all the other mm. um, wing attacks. But... Mm. Of you bring something different yeah to to a match and that can quite often turn a, turn a match around
2: mm. um,
0: do you think that's your advantage though yeah hundred yeah, percent hard out
2: I'm about head and shoulders taller mm. than my other wing attacks in my team mm. um, and yeah I mean I'm not as fast or as fit as Mads, you know but I but you definitely don't need to be yeah, yeah I don't need to be I've got something different.
0: Um and I find that they have to work a lot harder to try and get around me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that, is that the right? yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So it's you know I think that was my point of difference and it's always good for uh in any team that you're in just to have something different to add.
0: Just before we move on how do you deal with the tough times through netball? Cuz Cuz there's a many... Yeah. Many I mean many. I I've, oh. I've I've asked I've asked my mates around um non selection. Yeah, how do you how do you handle non selection?
2: Um well, this was my first year, uh, not being. I mean, selected. is that non-selection? Is it? Well, I mean, they put you're me still in, the in an, months, a different squad, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, obviously, I've got my own opinions on it, but cool. I think I do remember. So I cried because we got our phone calls straight after ANZ finals um, the next morning, and I it was so just, you're like up here, yeah, up here, yeah. and then yeah, I was on a high, and then. Um, I feel I feel like it was good though. I'm, in a way, it's like a blessing in disguise because I feel like I performed really well for twenty ones, and I Thank it was you. a new role, you. you know. Like I helped lead and I helped mm-hmm. to contribute in some way that was different. Develop um, the culture of yeah, the squad, and we like we are such a tight knit team, mm-hmm. and it's so good. Um, but I not to say that I was too comfortable, but I feel like like I didn't even play that often last year and I still got into NZA. Mm. So I I feel like after about a week of crying because I was really hurt, um, like I kind of put all the pieces together. And I mean, last season was a big learning as well because I'd never been benched before. So I was on the bench for majority of the year. um, And this year, same similar thing, but I mean, I was actually getting consistent court time. Mm. So um, I mean, I still knew that I've got some skill, and I've got, and I can still contribute to a team. Um, so I didn't get too down about it. Mm. I think you know I was obviously quite annoyed, yeah. but as anyone would. But I think it was a good thing because I feel like last season I felt like I didn't really have a lot of passion anymore, mm. um, and you know, dramatic. I was bloody eighteen. Like, <laughs> come on, get a grip. But yeah, I think the fact that I was so annoyed and hurt showed that I still cared so that was kind of a, a win for me but I think you mm. know everyone goes through it and like I've just been so fortunate that I, everything happened in the space of about three years that I got all these opportunities and I mean they put a 15 year old in the development mm. squad like that was unexpected but um yeah times changed. like mm. a new coach they said that they wanted something different and Maybe that just wasn't I just wasn't that at the time. So I've gone away and like I feel like I've improved my performance and I'm working hard now. Um, but yeah, in a way, I feel like maybe I got too comfortable just being put in because I was kind of on the outside tier of the fern squad.
1: But I think Same it's I think it's but yeah. yeah. it, it's like it's bound to happen, you know. Mm. And so. I think it's a really good learning because what people don't see is that, like you, I always got put into teams. Maybe not necessarily. I was fit enough, mm. but I was good enough. Mm. And then to get to this professional level where everything can be quite publicised mm. and for them to be like, oh, actually, here's a shot, mm. but um, you're going to have your first experience on the bench is like something that mm. you, you get quite, you're not used to, right? Yeah. So how do you feel now? I've seen there's been a massive shift from Tiana Ana the High school girl mm. to now Tiana Meturo, the young, beautiful Wahine. How <laughs> mm. do you think mm-hmm. these experiences from the nipple court and that um, those hard times have transformed you or evolved into who you are now? Yeah, I've
2: like I get asked that so many times, um, and I always think about it too because I feel like. I only really wanted to bring, you know, Māori deal and um, our kind of tikanga mm. into the sport because I had nothing else to do. Like, I needed something that would take mm. my mind away from being on the bench. And so... And it was what you
1: could probably contribute yeah, to, to the full, right? exactly.
2: And so I was just... I just thought to myself, you know what, let's just see if people would enjoy doing all of these Māori games or something. Like, it, you, I definitely... Throughout that process, I definitely thought, oh, I'm not even getting on. Like, how am I even, you know, helping my team to win? Because I definitely felt last season that I was barely on. Like, what did I even do? Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think about how much better our culture got mm-hmm. and how comfortable everyone got with one another. Because when you speak to reo and you're Pākehā, and you speak in front of, say, you know, Alia and I, we're fluent speakers and you have to introduce yourself in te reo. It's scary. Mm. Like, I don't even like speaking te reo in front of my Komatswa mm. who uh, have been speaking the reo for years because it's scary. Mm. Um, and that's coming from fluent speakers who understand the protocols and things like that. And so, yeah, I definitely feel like that's contributed to my confidence because Now that I know where I, what my point of difference is, regardless if it's on court or off court, I know that I can help people into, come into te ao Mm. Māori Mm. comfortably without feeling And that's empowering. Yeah, it is. And I, not every one of our 21s girls can introduce themselves and still, And they all have it. They all know their pepeha. Awesome.
1: Which is something that I must say in the Ferns, we're not at yet. Yeah, but that's the thing. We're getting there. We do, we do our karakia, we do our Mm. waiata, um, Kapu, fakatoki, rā, but that is something I think
0: yeah. is a yeah, and that also shows why you're so passionate of um, other different initiatives. Like I've, you know, following you through Instagram, you've done uh, quite a few initiatives. They have kind of, I don't know whether they've branched off from mm. as a result mm. of that, um, doing stuff through uh, the Tapa Taranaki, yeah, um, doing a couple of fundraisers yeah. as well. Yeah. Just, just tell us about those initiatives and why. Why you're so passionate about it and, and how it all came about? Is it just something you were just like,
2: I oh. just, I, f- I feel like, this sounds so cheesy, but I never, so Whangarao where I'm from, I never really felt connected there because I always, all my Cook Island cousins live in Wellington, so mm-hmm. I was always hanging out with them. And my nana always came over from the islands over, uh, for Christmas and New Year, so I was always with them. And whenever we went back to Gisborne, I felt like all my other cousins who regularly went there were kind of... Closer Closer yeah. And I always felt really excluded in a way And it wasn't until Well, not coincidentally Because I feel like that was kind of meant to happen The summer of 2018 Heading into 2019 So last season Which is obviously when I started to really bring everything in mm. Was the best summer I'd had back in Whangara um, And I feel like as you know, as Maori and Pacifica, We understand what it means when you feel really connected to home mm. Um because I've always felt that way about the cooks all yeah. the time. Like you you know when you get really homesick and yeah. obviously the borders are shut. Like I just yeah. miss It Seems like you're
0: homesick at the moment. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> like everyone I, is.
2: Oh I just like I miss the cooks so much. I miss my nana, yeah. I miss you know, like the Cook Islands has that smell of the French part, mm. like tiare Maori, mm. all those sorts of things. Um and I just think after discovering that kind of passion for my people my home um I wanted to give back in a way that involved not like it wasn't about me it was about our netball community and so like everyone ASB um got involved all the pulse girls got involved and we just I think we raised a couple of k, a couple of thousand dollars for the marae, Um and nehe donated lots of things um, like boots and a jersey. Local businesses gave a lot of um, just vouchers and things like that, and it was really cool. And I think because growing up, I was always because I was I grew up in a Māori speaking household. Well. Um, I went to Kohanga and then I went to mm. Māori Immersion, which was full Māori. We never spoke English. I'd never learned in English until I moved to primary, wow. a different primary school. Mm. Um, and that was the scariest thing ever. I had never written in English. I had mm. never read English writing. Um, and that was the first time I'd ever started a, da- a day without Māori. Um, and my surroundings were different. I'd never been around so many Pākehā people mm. in a classroom. And then I remember mum enrolled me for Kit McGrath, which is like an education centre. Because, you know, there were just simple things. I mean, in English, you write I Mm. in capitals. Mm. You never do that in real. So I had a friend who, when I moved to my mainstream primary school, who would correct it before I'd handed him because I had no idea how to write. Um, And I always remember this because it was probably one of the most embarrassing points Mm. of my life. And, and, And it's so small, but considering how scary it'd be for a maori speaker to go into the space at kit mcgrath we did uh, tests and um reading lists and i had to read in front of like a group of kids who were in my tutoring class yeah. and i didn't know how to say fridge oh uh, i don't know it tripped me up and i in my head it was like fridgy <laughs> And I had, like I'd never ever seen it. And because whenever I came home from Kohanga, Mum it would always keep <laughs> <laughs> Mum would always keep my deal going. and because I was always all my um caretakers at um Kōhanga, obviously were all Maori, so that was a defining point in my life. And so when I was at um Newtown School, which was where I was at for Māori immersion, which was basically Kura. That's where I met um, the daughter of who lived in Tapu Seranga mm. And we always went there for Noho Marae. So, yeah, that was quite close to home and we learnt a lot about it. Um, and it's quite famous because it's not your traditional Marae. Oh, it's like it a 10-storey oh I don't know Very it's
1: ridiculous Like modern alternative yeah tape. it's
2: alternative mm. but it's beautiful in the way that it's just so abstract like you've never seen anything like it and mm. to see it burn down it was it's like sad it's your home yeah and mm. it was such a huge part of my childhood so that's why that's awesome um I was at my friend's house and I just said I need to do something and then I text all the Pulse girls and put it in our chat and things oh, like yeah. that uh, yeah that's it's cool it
0: happened we've got two questions left I'll, I'll leave the last one for you but um uh, you're moving away from home, and mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, it's time. been yeah. it's been been well documented. Why, like you have won two ANZs? So obviously, you said last year you felt like you barely even played. Mm-hmm. Um, why did you feel like now's the time to move away?
2: Oh, it's just I kind of just repetitive. I think like it, that was part, obviously I wanted game time. That is the first thing, um, but I think I've been. Here since i was 14 so i did bico obviously 15 sorry um and that's a long time that's around four to five seasons and it's just the same stuff um but i've enjoyed it but i, I think after a couple of years on the bench you kind of get over it and and i'm moving down with one of my best mates so yeah. i think it should be really fun but um they Proposed like a really cool program in terms of getting involved with lower decile schools, which is a Pacifica and Māori program. So I was all for that and I really wanted to get involved oh, so cool. down south in Dunedin. Especially
1: yeah. down there, I mm. think.
2: Because
0: I thought you were moving to Invercargill. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> yeah, no. no. No, it's Dunedin. It's I was like, d-
2: yeah,
0: oh. yeah, yeah, wow. no, yeah. cool. I'm um, excited and excited to see mm. what happens there.
2: Yeah. yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it.
1: Yeah, I think partai for committing, I think we could both talk to you for hours on end. <laughs> um so thank you for taking your time to come all with us. So lastly, out of all your mahi you've done, how do you hope you will inspire others, in particular our Maori um Pacifica Rangatahi? I just
2: want them to be really proud in their identity, really. I think I remember um in high school this girl this is um like I said I've always grown up around my Cook Island side Mm. and she said to me because I think we were going to this poly poly club meeting Mm -hmm. and I was talking to them like how come we don't do Cook Island dancing here and she was just said to me like you're you really bleed your Cook Island your Cook Island side don't you and I was just I think she. I don't know if she was trying to insult me, but I always remember it because I could just hear the kind of like the intent behind it. Mm. And I think um, since then, I I, in a way, I think it kind of. I almost tried to downplay it a little bit after that, and so I think it's you. You know, you grow into it, and like you, you know, we've spoken about body image issues, um, um, the stigma around mental health, Mm. and I think that's kind of. Like it's it's a lot and it and it's really not irritating but I say it's just something that needs to be spoken about but it's just um, I think the fact that it's so heavily associated with mm. Pacifica and Maori um, youth in particular mm. it's quite sad so I just hope that most. Um, Māori and Pacifica, who I suppose are in a more privileged position are able to kind of find themselves in a way that they can give back to those who aren't and mm. I mean the position that we're in I think I always um, talk to one of my friends about it how yeah there are times where I don't think I can relate to those who live I don't know in like a, in state housing or agree, something yeah, like that I'm you know on that and I sometimes feel like maybe they'd look at me and think she's she shouldn't be talking to us, she can't relate yeah. to us. Yeah. But I've definitely got um, family and friends who have been in similar positions, so I think it's important that we, like I said earlier, to really get involved with the community. Yeah. Um, um, local kura, um, we, Mila and I went to a College a few weeks ago um, and spoke there, and just the amount of knowledge, I think, that they took from us, considering, mm. and, you know, we're not even silver ferns yet. So it's just, it just I shows. I love the yet. yet yes. I love I the yet. <laughs> yet. So, you know, obviously that's, yes, and it, those are the aspirations. Mm. Um, But, like, it's just, it's such a rewarding thing being, Māori and Bing Cook Island for me. I think it's like I'm so proud and I think everyone who knows it probably gets sick of the throwbacks I post on my Instagram, but I don't even care. I know. It's just like oh, I love them. um, you know, back home in Raro, I remember um one of my netballs that I had with Gilbert got mm. went there. And they just, would have loved yeah, and so they obviously saw the fifteen stars that I'd put on it, um, the Kuru for my Maori side and there were Tahitian patterns on it. Um but yeah, lots to be proud of and I think it's just, mean. that's just like, that's just who we are. So and just celebrate that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So just celebrating, like I've always said, celebrating Māori excellence within the sport, but I think it's about um, Pacifica as well. Mm. That's
0: awesome. Mm. Wow. I just think, um, you know, I was sitting here listening to you two talk. I haven't heard the only other person I've, I've felt that has had kind of that kind of maturity from a, not only a young woman, but a young athlete Um, and having interviewed so many different athletes over the years, but I've only ever probably Maya's probably only kind of Mm. level headed, Hmm. you know, at that age. Mm. Um, And so, yeah, and I'm just blown away by, um, (laughs) by hearing you speak so openly,
1: eloquently, eloquently,
0: Mm -hmm. um, And for for me, it's always... Yeah, I love seeing our our Polynesian people succeed, but I love Mm. seeing um, Cook Islanders in particular. Mm. Um,
1: Yeah. Not biased at all. No, no, no. (laughs) No.
0: (laughs) I I only say that because we always see lots of Samoans, we always Uh, see lots of Tongans, you know, um, really walking proudly in in them. Um, But seeing another, um, you know, Cook Islander as well, just... Oh I think it's also yeah. I'm just um, gonna add one thing. yeah, yeah that, sure. now
2: that you bring that up, it's like I oh it's, I feel like it's hard when non-cook Islanders hear that because I don't know if they understand because we're such a small nation. Um, yeah, we're made up of 15 islands, but I'm pretty sure one of the islands only have a population of two people. Mm. Um, and in saying that I went home a couple of years ago with one of my best friends and I took a coaching clinic at Avatu when I was there and you know, I here I am back here in New Zealand complaining that I have to train outside if ASB is too full. I went there and there were potholes in the court, cracks, the hoops were crooked, mm-hmm. um, and that was one of the flasher venues. Um, and then I went further out along the island and then there were courts made up of skipping ropes, you know, and you just think that if and I've met some really talented players from the Cooks as well. And they're so passionate. Honestly, my it's crazy. Like, mm. if you go there. Um, they look see at me there. Yeah, Thanks. literally. You guys need to do They, a they, coaching, at, they look coaching at us like, oh, buddy, Beyonce. <laughs> Beyonce. Like, we are, like, it's just, they are so grateful. And the loveliest kids you will ever meet. Super passionate. Mm. Um, and... They play literally for the love of the game and they play because it's fun um, and that, that's just who we are. We're such colourful and loving people um, and I think, I, I know that there are some kids who came over from the Cooks and some of them are in Biko. Like that's a huge thing oh. for, that's a huge thing for our small nation. So yeah. I think it's just so cool, like you said, to see Cook Islanders succeed. So yeah. Love it. Thank you
0: for tuning in to episode nine with our special guest, Tiana Mituaro. We'd love to hear any of your feedback. Hit us up on our socials at Coco underscore podcast on Facebook or Instagram.
1: Season one of Coco was made with support from Foundation North's Pacific Future Makers Fund and the CocoNet.